CSS to me has always felt relatively, not static, but it, it evolved in ways that felt very easy to slowly roll into the way I approach CSS. Mm-hmm. And it seems now like there's a lot of stuff that is fundamentally changing the way CSS works. And it's just making me nervous, one, that I'm going to fall behind. But also, two, I, 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 I'm a little nervous that people are just going to be too clever sometimes. You're listening to Working Code with your hosts, one of whom probably just wrote a new JavaScript library, Adam, Ben, Carol, and Tim. Okay, here we go. It is show number 106. And on today's show, we're going to figure out what today's show is about right along with you because it is still (laughs) no effort December. But first, as usual, we're going to start with our triumphs and fails. And Ben, coming to you first. What's going on, buddy? I'm going to go with a triumph, which is that uh, I had mentioned last episode that I was made no progress on my 2022 New Year's resolution to build something containerized. But my triumph this week is that I have actually started to think about starting a new thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it, it's like a triumph, but it's also a little bit of a failure because what I realized is I don't start new things very often. Like I'll do lots of little demos here and there, but as far as starting a new site or a new application, I feel like I do that like once a decade. Everything else is just maintenance, maintenance, maintenance. So the act of starting something new is really not a gesture that I have built in. And on top of that, so much technology has changed since I last started a really big project. And the, the things that have advanced really far are a lot of the the front end stuff and all the compiling and, and the componentization of everything and the modules. And I, of course, want to build my back end in Cold Fusion, and I don't even know how to mix those two things together very well. So it's going to be an uphill, I don't want to say battle, but it's going to definitely be a, a, a learning journey trying to figure out how to take my what I think is actually quite a rather old mental model for how you put an application together and and sort of shoehorn it into more modern practices. And it's tough because I think so much of modern web development today that I hear getting discussed is JavaScript on the front end and JavaScript on the back end. And so a lot of things just sort of fit together really nicely because Mm -hmm. it's, it's sort of this universal technology and I'm not doing that. So I, I, I don't know how much there is that I can learn from other people at the finer points of getting everything fit together. But I don't know. I, I'm excited, but I'm nervous, and I'm I'm feeling a little intimidated. But I'm excited. Ultimately, I, I saw you posting about this on Facebook, and I saw like you posted a screenshot of like how you're organizing your code, and it it had a Docker file in there. I was like, wait, is he doing it? Well, so <laughs> I'm I'm not gonna. So ultimately, when I ship to production, it's gonna be not containered containerized uh, but locally okay. it'll be containerized so that's okay that's a that's a good first step yeah i think it'll be pretty good although it's so funny you know everything is just more complicated than i always expect it to be so mm. I, I know that certbot and let's encrypt have quote unquote made getting ssl certificates super easy mm-hmm. but then i start to read about it and how do i do that and it and it's like there's all these different steps you would have to run through to get it to work and like even that still seems really complicated if you have to do it, the services like Netlify that provision the SSL certificate for you behind the scenes, I mean, that's obviously magical and fantastic. Mm-hmm. But 
even like the moment you have to do it by yourself, it, it's a, it's this weird catch 22 where you can't have an SSL, an SSL site running until you have the certificate, but you have to have a site running in order for a cert bot to be able to say, Hey, this is a valid site that I own that it can though go and like check to make sure it really exists. So that there's all this stuff you have to, from what I was reading, at least it's like, you have to get the site running on port 80 first so that you can then get the SSL certificate, which you can then right. install, which then you have to restart your, your web application server so that you can get the SSL certificate to power. What is it? 422? Where I can't remember what. Oh, 433. No, 433. Uh, 43. 43. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Something. It's been so long since I've had to think You're about right the that. first time. It's, it's three digits, 443. Whatever it does behind the yeah. scenes. <laughs> it's, it's been so long since I've had to think of that. That's crazy. Right? Yeah. But it's just, I don't know. It's one of those things where I thought it was going to be a lot easier and then you start to do it and maybe I'm just not looking in the right places or maybe I'm not reading the right articles, but it still just seems more complicated than I would like it to be. I would say though, that once you have it set up, renewing it, because I know at work we have scripts that just yeah. go through and renew it whenever it needs to be renewed and just kind of like hands off. So Yeah, it, it does seem once you get it up and running, Keeping it going seems pretty reasonable, although it it sounds like you still have to restart Nginx or Apache or IIS right. so that it picks up the new certificate. But uh, you know, only for free every couple yeah. of weeks when you when you yeah I think it's like three months it. or something it'll it'll last for or ninety days the I think it lasts the for. most yeah I think I think it's the the max yeah that you can you can set the yeah like tim was saying you can set the renewal as far out as like three months but i think they they recommend every two weeks or something like that oh really yeah i was using hmm. it for a, a client site that i had for a while and it actually worked out kind of nice for me because i was doing reverse proxying with nginx so i was running nginx on the server and i was running docker on the server and so i could restart the the app by like spinning up a second docker container and moving the proxy over to the other container and bring down the the first one, nice. And then the the since there was basically nothing in the nginx container, it would restart in like half a second or less, right? So basically zero downtime, as far as anybody's concerned, because I wasn't doing anything, you know, no web sockets or anything that need the connection to stay open, right, right, either, right, right. So. Yeah, that's really great. I have given up, I think, on the idea of running it in Lucy. I I, I really, really would have loved to run it in Lucy. It's it's a great language. I, I you're gonna go to the Smith project or. Well, no, I'll stay dragon. <laughs> I'll be on, on Adobe ColdFusion. So my VPS is a managed VPS, and and they manage Adobe ColdFusion. When they when I upgraded to ColdFusion 2021, I asked if they would do Lucy CFML, and they said they could theoretically do it, but their ability to support it would not be nearly as good. So I was like, the whole point of having the managed VPS is so that they do a lot of stuff that I don't have to know about. So. I guess you won't have access to Tag Islands. Then. I know, that's the thing. It's killing me <laughs> the most. Oh my God. Oh, oh, right in the heart there, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so that's me. I'm excited about that. This is Tim, your side project, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have some fun, I think. Or at least I hope I have fun. What about you? What do you got going on? So, I mean, it's only been, what, a couple days since we recorded, so there's not like a whole lot's happened. So I'll just talk about the most exciting thing that happened to me today, which has been ongoing. I think I mentioned this before, the credit card industry pushed through some price increases that really, really hurt our bottom line. This isn't code related, but it's like it does affect the business. So been pushing through price increases to our customers so that 
you know, we can keep the lights on and keep everybody paid. And I have one particular customer that's like sizable customer. They tend to be a little bit difficult, particularly when it comes to the money, but it worked with him finally today. He said, yep. And it's that got the price increased through and it's going to nice. be a huge impact on our company for next year. It just really unlocks a whole lot of things that I was afraid that we're going to have to cut back on some stuff. So really, really, in fact, I, I just told him, listen, I, I appreciate this. I said, if I didn't get these things through, I don't know if I'd, you know, you'd be talking to me next year. So <laughs> it wasn't quite that bad, but you know, I wanted to make him feel appreciated. I, was like, I, re- I appreciate you. So anyway, so that made me super happy today. I, I almost couldn't. That was like late afternoon. I couldn't finish work. I was like, I got to go walk around the house and shout and dance and <laughs> shake the it's tambourine. Like a, I've had enough success for one day. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just stop now while I'm ahead. <laughs> well, I know on one of the previous episodes, you had talked about paying for the privilege of having customers for the, for the yeah. customers who aren't ready for any price increases and they eventually outgrow what they're even paying for your services, but hopefully far and yeah. few, few and far between. Yeah. And, and honestly, these are, they are one of those. They've, they've been with us for, my God, probably 15 years, right? Oh man. And so, and that's the trouble with some of these long-term customers is they they just get used to the status quo. And it's like, you don't want to mess with them. And so, and you're afraid to give them price increases, but then it's like, you wait too long. And then it's like, wow, they're really underpaying. Like you, we've got, they're getting like so much more than our other customers and they're that are paying so much more. It's just really not fair. And so, <laughs> yeah, we, we gotta be a little bit more diligent about just paying attention to because everything goes up every year. Right. I mean, that's what the whole cost colo cost of living increases is, yeah. is, is everything, everything goes up every year. So if you're right. not constantly looking at your prices and, and pushing them and, trying to get more then you're actually making less money so actually i'm looking for ways next year to come up with some sort of mechanism to have a built-in contractual you know a percentage price increase that you know every year three to four percent just so the customers know know what to expect yeah yeah so that's yeah because that's the hard part it's like you know in order to increase people's prices you have we typically have to do a, a new contract and that they have the power they just don't sign it at status mm-hmm. quo. The only thing you have to do is say, well, we're shutting it down if you don't pay. That, right. It feels terrible to say that. It's like mm-hmm. a bully. But so if you already have that built in, then uh, yeah, you, you, you don't have to have that friction. So. I know I've mentioned this podcast like a thousand times on, on our podcast, but I really enjoy the rework podcast by the guys yeah. at Basecamp. And maybe like two or three episodes ago, they were talking about how they used to run a product called campfire which i think was a chat program and dhh was saying that twitter was their biggest client of the chat program and they were running the numbers and they used like 95 percent of the resources that were allocated for the application and and apparently the 37 signal guys at the time were, were losing a bunch of money on it for, and mm. and they said twitter was only paying like five thousand dollars a year for the service Whoa. yeah <laughs> and so they finally to, to your point like they didn't want to say anything because it's such a big client it's you know notoriety and they finally went and said hey we just we can't afford to do this and i don't remember what the number was but they were like we need to charge you two hundred thousand dollars a year and twitter was like yeah okay <laughs> no problem <laughs> <laughs> yeah 
Yeah. And that, that, that's sort of the, the philosophy that our, our parent company that, that owns us preaches. It's like, you know, it's hard. Yeah. You're scared to do it, but it's better to, to do it and get it over with. And you maybe you'll lose some customers, but they were probably customers that were out the door anyway. So go ahead and do it because if you don't stay healthy as a company, you're not going to be able to support them. And then they'll start complaining, you know, that you're not doing what you, you said you can do because you don't have enough resources. And a customer that's just barely able to afford paying for your service is probably also super annoying with their support requests. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's always the customer that's paying like it's not even considering how much they're paying you and they're they're paying you the most, like the highest margin and they have no support requests whatsoever. They're just yep. totally happy. Like, mm-hmm. I need more customers like that. Yeah, for sure. Well, Carol's not here. She's uh, got some personal stuff going on tonight. We're recording twice this week, so it made it a little hard to schedule. But how about you, Adam? What you got? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm going to call it a mini triumph that we're now officially back on schedule. I didn't want to go too meta here, but uh, you know we've been behind schedule with our recording for a couple of weeks. So I was initially thinking my triumph was going to be I, I've successfully herded the cats and we are now back to <laughs> recording on schedule. But you know, like let's just put that aside. So earlier this week, I was feeling a little burnout. Uh, just tired of some crisis stuff going on at work and being frustrated that I wasn't having enough time to actually like do the work part of work. It was just crisis management. And But as of like yesterday morning and midday, most of that is behind us and spent all day today. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to shock anybody, but I spent all day today doing work that I had been planning on doing instead of just reacting to things <laughs> that happened this morning. What's this madness? Right. And it, it, that felt pretty good. So I'm happy about that. I was working back on my Svelte Island project, which is close enough to done that I've kind of pushed it up to QA for most of our customers. And this um, is that modal window you, you've been talking about. Yeah. 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 I'm excited about it. You know, it's, it's like 95% there. I just got like some edge cases I got to figure out. And, you know, the best way to find whatever's still broken is to put it in front of customers, especially we have a couple of customers that are really good about using QA heavily and like they use it as a training environment for their staff. Mm-hmm. And so when something's wrong, they tend to find it pretty quick. And so it's, that's nice. Like it's, it's like, it's almost like having QA testers, right? Except they're just <laughs> friendly customers that, that understand that, you know, this is the QA environment stuff can break and, and we appreciate their help finding that. So yeah, you know, I'm, I'm calling that a triumph. I'm Heck back yeah. doing, I'm back to doing the work part of my job instead of the firefighting part of my job. So, which is also part of your job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not the part of my job that I enjoy the most, but it's right. there. So cool. All right. Well, moving on to our no topic topic. This episode is coming out the week of Christmas. So if you are one that celebrates Christmas, I guess we'll try to do something somewhat relevant for you here. Christmas stuff. What do you guys got? How are you? How are you guys uh, giving gifts? Terrible. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> is this uh, just an understanding between you and your wife? Do you guys just like, this, uh, she what is am, the most. Do you ask lenient. her, what am I getting you this year? And yeah, she just buys it and says, here, look, this is, this is what you bought me. I, I ask her if there's anything she wants. And, and this year she's had a lot of unfortunate stuff going on in her life with her, uh, with her extended family. Mm-hmm. So she's super burnt out. We're we're basically going to have like an un-Christmas Christmas. I asked her already if, if there's anything in particular she wants and she like doesn't even want anything. So like that doesn't help me because I feel like I should get something. But I, I just have no instinct at all for gift giving whatsoever. Nothing. I, I don't, I'm not, I'm not a big, I'm not a big gift receiver. Like I don't, 
I, I just, I don't know. I'm terrible at it. I feel guilty. Are you the type of person time. that, like, when you want something, you just save your money for it and then go get it? Yeah. Like you don't, yeah. you don't have a wish list. You just, you have things that you buy for yourself. I'm, I'm all, like, I just don't. I have a computer. <laughs> it's like I don't need a lot of stuff. <laughs> Most of the stuff I get is for the dog. <laughs> so my wife is kind of similar. So my wife grew up very not materialistic. And so she's incredibly difficult to shop for, for Christmas and birthday and stuff to the point where her parents email me like, Hey, do you have any ideas for <laughs> something we can get for her? And I'm like, <laughs> I'm supposed to be asking you. It's <laughs> awesome. Yeah. And, and so I try, I try really hard to pay attention throughout the year. And like, if she mentions something that she wants, I'll, I'll either buy it or I'll write it down or whatever. And, you know, like maybe in the 15 years that we've been married, maybe like, four or five times I've actually managed to come up with a really good gift that way. And all the rest of the time, it's like, are you human? Do you actually have desires or? <laughs> I, I, I was better about that early on in, in our relationship about paying attention and, and mental notes. And I don't, I don't know if it's just a laziness thing or it, it's, I don't know. I've just gotten much worse at it, but I do remember when we, so I'm not one of those, I didn't like secretly pick out a, an engagement ring. Like mm -hmm. we went to the store and she basically tried on a bunch of stuff and she said, this is the one. And I remember it was really funny because we're at the counter and this guy, Thomas, who, who managed the store was helping us with the rings and we find the one and, and he was like, oh, so when do you guys get engaged? And I'm like, I, I think it just happened. Like, wasn't that it? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. And also we've had a, like the last, I don't know, four months or so have been really stressful for both of us at home. And so we were on a dog walk just before I came in and we started this recording and we were talking about you know, how she has like basically nothing on her Christmas wish list. And, and she was apologizing for that. She was like, I, I've been trying to think of things to put on there. And just like the, the work of trying to come up with things to put on my wish list was more stressful than trying to find things for other people. She was just like, I don't know, whatever. I don't care. Yeah. It's like, thanks. That's going to make it real easy for me. How, how do you do your list? I, we both just have Amazon wish list now. I have several, I'll, I'll just say up front, I am greedy and materialistic <laughs> and uh, I, I have a plenty of items on my wish list that most of the people that know me that have no reason to buy me anything could get me something and probably not satisfy the entire corpus of my wish lists. And I, I admit that that's, that's not the best personality trait, but I'm being honest, right? So I have a couple of Amazon wish lists, and she has her own Amazon wish list, and the kids have theirs. And they do one that's one thing that's nice is if you want something that's not on Amazon, they do have like a leave a note sort of thing. So you can like just drop oh. in a URL or something. Now you can't then go purchase it on Amazon through your Amazon card or whatever, but you can copy and paste the link out. So that's kind of nice. When I was a kid, I, I have a big immediate family i have i'm one of five children and and i have cousins but when i was a kid especially we, we we didn't have like a close relationship with our extended family and the idea of getting presents for people outside the immediate family is so foreign to me and but mm -hmm. my my wife's family her whole extended family is very close and she's always talking about how she has to get presents for her cousins and i'm like for your cousins <laughs> what i'm yeah. like first of all they're grown-ass people <laughs> they can get their own stuff 
and like I'm like cousins really or maybe it's her nieces and nephews I don't know whatever it is I'm I'm just like I'm like they got their own family with their own gifts like you don't got to get involved with that and she's like yeah you do but I just it's yeah. so foreign to me where I I felt a little I still feel a little grinchy about it but like I don't know somewhere around 10 years ago give or take 3 years kids were real young we were getting real frustrated with trying to buy gifts for my sister-in-law and her so my wife's sister and her husband and and like my brothers and stuff and so we just kind of sent out this email like you know look we're we're young we have young kids we don't have a whole lot of money so we would only be spending like 30 bucks a person anyway that would be our budget mm-hmm. and so like how about we just agree not to exchange gifts among this group of people right like the these brothers and sisters, right? And, you know, we, we'll still buy for your kids. If you want to buy for our kids, that's great. Thank you. But we're just, you know, you keep your money. That's our gift from us. Right. Keep our money. That's our gift from you. And that's fine. And I, I felt awful about sending it, but it, honestly, it's been kind of nice. It's been kind of oh, like, 100%. you know, helps reduce the stress. I remember my, my wife was like, oh, we got to get something for your, your uh, nephew because he just went off to college. And I'm like, no, he's in college. Like he's an adult now. <laughs> he doesn't need gifts anymore from us, from his extended family. Right. He gets a card. Yeah. <laughs> oh. So Tim, I know you're you don't celebrate Christmas, but you can still answer the question. How are you as a gift giver? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't. We don't really do the Christmas thing. So our big thing every year is our anniversary. So it's mm-hmm. kids, kids get us presents. We get them presents. Everybody gives presents. And we kind of do the same thing you do with the Amazon w- wish list. I, I, they hate buying presents for me because I'm kind of like, I, if I want something, I just go buy it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, it's not too bad. They, they make it easy. They, they do put a lot of stuff on their wish list. And also when we go to Dragon Con, a lot of times we see a huge amount of like really nerdy stuff and I could see what they want. My mm-hmm. kids are very fru- kids are very frugal. So it's like I could see they really really want it but they're like, "No, I don't want to ask." You're taking they, notes. They, they, they never ask us to buy them anything. So like this 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 year my daughter saw there's this booth at Dragon Con that had like book binding custom book binding they'll take like they'll take your favorite novel and like bind it and like to make it look with real leather and like sometimes like locks and keys oh, and cool. cages and like and like her favorite author is brandon sanderson the um mistborn yeah the mistborn but her favorite novel is like oathbringer and mm. so we're going to get her like a bound copy of that Nice. Like in, with leather and like some glowing bits and stuff. So really like a look like an ancient tome of magic or something that you know, pulls off. Show. So, yeah. so yeah, we do that. We'd rather like get like one or two like really special things and just a whole bunch of tchotchkes and stuff. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, am I, I a good gift giver? I don't know, but we, we try to try to pay attention to what they want. I, I have a, giant stocking and that's not because i bought it for myself but you know like a christmas stocking and my when i was a baby my i, I want to say it was my grandmother my mom would know for sure I, somebody made it for me right it was a gift to my mom for me when i was like a year old or two years old something like that and it at the time it was as big as if not bigger than me i'm talking the stocking is like <laughs> three feet long 
Okay. And it, and you could fit like a small dog in it. And so it always stresses my wife out about like what to put in it. And I'm like, just fill it with chocolate. That's like literally, that would be amazing. <laughs> right. Just put $20 worth awesome. of like Reese's cups and, yeah. and candy bars and stuff in there and I'll be good. And she always finds little, you know, little things. She'll go to Harbor Freight and buy some cheap tools for me or whatever. But <laughs> so Ben was talking about the engagement ring thing. So it, it's funny when, when, so my, Aunt, my my dad's sister is a is a jeweler, and they used to have a, a jewelry store in town. But they they don't just buy you; they actually make the jewelry, right? So okay. she would. So when I was getting the ring for my for my wife, I, and also had another friend, he actually worked in Atlanta at the at the diamond market, and so he took me to the diamond market. I got to pick. I get, basically paid wholesale for the diamond. Nice, and uh, I got one. It was like not. The perfect, like, you know, they talk about the seas. It was, mm-hmm. it was it, it, a little bit yellow, but you really couldn't tell, you know, it's yeah, like, it was so like it was, cut clarity it, color. Yeah. Yeah. And there was, a, there was a little fracture on the inside, but still it's like, it was a big diamond, but you know, I couldn't really afford like the top quality, but it's like, it, it was big. Right. So mm-hmm. you can see it from across the room and go, wow, it's a big diamond. Mm-hmm. And then if you, and then you look up closer, you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, so so I took so I took this raw diamond and I took it to my aunt and so in order to fit it, she needed my wife. To, so it's like I t- I took my my fiance soon to be fiance to to the jewelry store and she's like what I'm like oh we're just gonna go see my aunt Kathy and so you go to see Aunt Kathy and Aunt Kathy's like she says hand me your close your eyes and hand me your hand so she <laughs> has your hand. <laughs> she fits her and gets it all figured out. She's all right, good. Now you can leave. And then she sets the diamond and she gives it to me later. So then I, nice. pro- I didn't propose for another three months. <laughs> Keep it on the edge of her seat. I like there it. You go. I, that reminded me that when I was young, I, I don't recall if this was when I was dating Megan, my wife, or if it was with the previous girlfriend, but I was given the opportunity and I passed on it to buy an obnoxiously large, but also quite flawed diamond from a mm-hmm. guy who was engaged and gave it to his girlfriend and they ended up breaking up or whatever. But the it was very clearly like, I don't care about color or quality or, or <laughs> you know, clarity, any of that. It was just like, I need the biggest diamond you right. can afford, right? I want it to be <laughs> as big as my fist on my ring, right? And and it wasn't quite that big, but you, you get the point. And, right. and I looked at this thing and that you like, you didn't have to like bring it up to your eye to see the flaws that were like going through <laughs> the center of it. Right. You could just hold it in your hand a foot or two away from your face and see them. And you're like, yeah, thanks, but I'll pass. Did you break your ring? <laughs> <laughs> right. Did you drop this or? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. When I was a kid, I, I don't know how long cubic zirconia has been around, you know, the mm-hmm. artificial diamonds. But I remember when I was a kid, my dad either discovered that that was a thing or maybe it had just come out i don't remember and he went and he bought my mom this fake diamond ring it was like huge it was a, it was a huge diamond ring but it wasn't it wasn't so huge that it was like clearly fake and he was so excited and he came home and he and he gave it to her and she was like what are you nuts she's like i'm not gonna <laughs> wear this thing on the subway like someone's gonna cut my hand off thinking that it's a real diamond <laughs> <laughs> Funny. What about so? Uh, how about CSS? <laughs> <laughs> well, first, hold on. What, Smooth what, transition there, bro. <laughs> what about Christmas movies? You all have Christmas movies that you get excited for. We we go through the the classics every year. We always watch the Peanuts one. Uh, 
a new favorite for me. It's become sort of a classic in our house is Arthur Christmas. I don't know mm-hmm. if you've ever seen that one. It's really good, really cute movie. And it really is like about the spirit of Christmas and a giving and, and making other people feel good and stuff. And I would, I would strongly recommend that one. So animated. Christmas, I'll look it up. Yeah. But you know, so my like favorite, even ahead. though I don't celebrate my favorite is a Christmas story. Which I'll say die hard is a Christmas movie. Yeah. A Christmas hard. story is not a Christmas movie. It is no. a family movie set at Christmas. Yes. Which is totally really, agree. I love, I love that. You'll shoot your eye out. But also they just did the, they actually did several sequels, but they did a new one new one with Ralphie grown up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's a called Christmas a, movie, Christmas movie or something. A, it's a Christmas story Christmas. Yeah, Christmas yeah. story Christmas, yeah. And it was really, I got really emotional watching. That. Oh yeah? I, I like, haven't seen that yet. So, I got all the nostalgia watching that. It was, it's not super great, but it's, it was, it was endearing. Yeah. I'm, I'm planning on watching that one with the kids here soon. We always go through the, the 60s classics too, you know, the, the, stop motion and I don't know if it's claymation or whatever, but the, like the Rudolph. Yeah, my wife uh, loves yeah. that one. Yeah. My favorite bit about the, the a Christmas story, what was it called? A Christmas, a Christmas story, Christmas, a Christmas story, Christmas was that so grown up Ralphie really like idolizes his how his dad like pulled off Christmas for his family, mm. and but when you watch the original movie, you as a parent now you realize that couple was just failing hard. They were oh, yeah. just they they had no they were clueless. They had no idea what they were doing as parents. And I could so relate to that. It's just like my kids like you guys are the best parents ever. We love you. And I'm like, dude, I have no clue what I'm doing here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just happy you guys are good kids. Yeah. I'm a huge fan of when Harry met Sally and it's not really a Christmas movie, but it ends on New Year's Eve. So I, I classify it as a Christmas movie. It's a winter. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's a, just a fantastic. And, and it, to me, at least it holds up really well. I mean, I think it's from the eighties and, and mm-hmm. it, it, it feels very timeless to me. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm a huge Nora Ephron fan. She's the one who wrote it. She also wrote Sleepless in Seattle and Being Julia or whatever. She's written a, a number of really popular movies. And I, I just love that one. I also, and I and I know that this is not a Christmas movie. It's the wrong holiday altogether. But I've been really craving Groundhog Day lately. Which, oh, I love that movie. It's so yeah. good and I haven't seen it in like 15 years. It's one you, of those, if I, if I flip through TV and I see Groundhog Day, I have to watch it. I you, just, I love it. <laughs> All you have to do is wait for Groundhog Day to come on or to, to come around on the calendar and then turn on to TBS. They run it on a continuous loop. Oh, they do? Oh, man. Yeah. I'm, I, 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 to me, and, and again, I know it's not a Christmas movie, but it's a holiday movie. And I really want to really yep. get that in there this time. It's great. I, I just watched that this year with my kids for the first time. And they really nice. enjoyed it. Bill classic Bill Murray. So how about that CSS? How about <laughs> that CSS? Yo, CSS, it's just making me nervous. It, 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 it seems to be moving very fast lately. A lot of podcasts been talking about all the, the new hotness, the color stuff, the, the layering, the CSS grid, which I know is not super new, but it's, it's still like, I, I still had to support IE11 for a long time, so I couldn't even touch it. But I don't know. CSS to me has always felt relatively, not static, but it, it evolved in ways that felt very easy to slowly roll into the way I approach CSS. Mm-hmm. And it seems now like there's a lot of stuff that is fundamentally changing the way CSS works. And it's just making me nervous. One, that I'm going to fall behind. But also, two, I, 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 I'm a little nervous that people are just going to be too clever sometimes. Like the... What's the one? What's the big one that's come out 
just recently has or is the or no has where you can sit you can like style things based on other things that are inside of it mm-hmm. and and people are like freaking out about how great this is going to be and then I look at some of these selectors and the selectors are bananas and I'm and it just it makes me really nervous that people are going to start creating this really really complicated CSS like almost yeah. for the sake of having it all in CSS and not having to worry about the markup at all. It, I feel like it's going to I think you're right. I feel like it's going to turn into regex where it's like you can only write yeah. it, you can't read it. Yo. And yeah. and you know what I honestly my opinion maybe this is a hot take I don't know, but my opinion is it's not necessary. Like if you're in a situation where you can't solve it without a selector like that. The problem isn't that CSS is lacking. The problem is that your application is poorly organized, right? And, you know, if it's perhaps something like scoped CSS would be better, right? Like, I really am excited for scoped CSS to land one day. But in the meantime, I'm ha- I'm happy to have it in Svelte. Yeah, so, yeah, exactly. Like, all I have to do is have a, like, it's so great. I was working, I, I tweeted something this morning. You know, I was, I something made me think about how, you know, as we go through our day, we are, you can only put your attention on one thing at a time. So your your working memory is a stack, right? Stuff gets pushed in and you can pop it out when it's done. And and in theory, you know, it's a, it's a well-organized, well-executed stack. Something new comes in that has to take priority. You push that onto the stack when it's done, you pop it off and you go back to the last thing you were working on. And so I, I threw together a quick like Svelte REPL. They have, it's kind of like a code pen or whatever, right? But it's it's got Svelte built in. So I threw together a quick REPL of like, you know, just a quick visual representation of a stack and you can push stuff on and pop stuff off and it, and it shows you the history of what you did to it. And I was like, I'm going to use this to kind of track my my work today. And it was so much, it was, it was kind of like, to the point where I was kind of laughing about it to myself that like to style, <laughs> to like to style the different components in it. I'm like, oh, okay, here's my selector div because there's only one div in this component. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm just like, yeah, the div gets this. Oh, it's got a span in it. Okay, span that gets the this style. And it was so nice. Yeah, totally. And it's almost like in my mind the css and the markup are just forever coupled they're they're this mm-hmm. they're doing the same stuff they're or like the, you know they're two sides of the same coin kind of thing and so i would much rather have a class name somewhere in my component that is a hook essentially for styling instead of having to worry to say like do this div with this style, unless it has an image in it, then do it with this style. Unless that image is also a link, then like do this style. I'm like, no, I'd rather just have my Angular conditionally apply a class based on some condition. And then my CSS is going to be super easy to read because it's class name, class name, class name, class name. It's not, it's not element, 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 element kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. And I, it, it seems to me like some of these really advanced selectors are almost going to make the code much more brittle. Because if you're basing stuff on a class name, you can nudge the DOM elements around a little bit and the class names are the same and it just continues to work. But if you have all these complex selectors and dependencies, then you move the DOM around and suddenly your selectors don't match anymore and now your whole thing breaks. And you're like, what What just happened? Yeah, that's the. it's funny that you mentioned that. That's exactly like the advice that you get about in-browser testing these days, right? So I, I know this is not a topic that you'll be up on, Ben. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, you know, you, you, you'll you use something like Cypress or whatever to to control the browser to do testing. And they, they, you know, they say, don't look for 
the div with ID this that has an input, right? You know, you're looking for the input that has this placeholder text because that's, you know, you want to mm-hmm. type in that field or whatever. And that way, when you restructure the page, the, that input is still going to have that placeholder text. And it doesn't matter what div ID it's in. The user isn't looking for the div with the ID, you know, XYZ with an input in it. They're looking for, this is a field that's asking for this information. So so test like your user is looking at the application, like like they're thinking when they look at the application. And and I think that the exact same thing applies to styling, just like you were talking about. Well, and it's so interesting because I was actually having, along the same lines of what you were just saying, I was having a conversation with someone at work where every now and then you'll see somebody or a, a library or, or an organization implement something in a way that's so obvious that you feel stupid that it didn't occur to you. And I, I remember it wasn't a testing library. It was like um, it was like a like a call out library. I don't know if you ever you, like you sign into an app and all of a sudden the screen goes gray and there's like a little pop up like oh check mm-hmm. out this new thing that we added like kind of something like that. Yeah. And I had implemented things like that historically, and it was that same kind of thing where you want to point to this button and show a tooltip, but this button's inside a div which is only shown sometimes and you know etc. Then it's working and then all of a sudden the marketing team is freaking out because it's not showing anymore and and you're like, what's going on? It's, oh, because you changed the class because that class didn't mean anything anymore. Anyway, so we used this library one time where their implementation instructions where you just go and you put completely arbitrary class names that have nothing to do with the style whatsoever. It's like you just put in the Joe Bob tooltip hook class on that element and no matter where you move it, we'll be able to find it. And I'm like, Oh my God, that's so obvious. Like, why did that <laughs> never occur to me to make it have nothing? It, it's like, it never even occurred to me in my early career that you could add class names that did nothing but provide hooks. Like class mm-hmm. names to me always had to be about style. So if right. you already had class names about style, those were the things you had to use. And oh, just, uh, can't believe it. So easy. Well, I have like zero CSX experience. If, <laughs> Sorry, Tim. I, I don't work. I don't work on the front end. If I if I am, you're in trouble because everything <laughs> everything I create looks like. But I I did so I, you know, I was just kind of researching. We do have someone on our team. She's really really good at styling things and just a magician at making stuff look good. But I, I saw an article and I'll put we, we can put it in the show notes and I put it actually in our Discord chat. If you guys want to take a look at it. So it's 70 handpicked web-based tools, which are actually useful for CSS. They'll mm-hmm. generate pure, pure CSS without the need for any JS or external libraries. And some of the stuff they're doing is like crazy magic. Oh, this is the super useful CSS resources. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, they're doing, you know, property generators, animations, backgrounds, color tools, topography, you know, CSS loaders, doing layouts, you know, inf- gathering information, just really cool stuff. And it's complete magic to me, yeah. absolute magic to me. I don't, it scares me because it's like, you know, you, you put that stuff in a project and if you're like, if I have to go work on it, I'll just go like hack numbers and see what changes. <laughs> and sometimes <laughs> nothing changes. And then I'm like, why did nothing change? <laughs> I don't know what's going on here. Well, I mean, talk, talk about hacking numbers. That, that's the thing. Where, where I run into the disconnect sometimes. So one of the first really new CSS things that dropped like the beginning of this year was all the new color functions. So I'm used to thinking in RGB, red, green, blue, and alpha. And then I mm-hmm. guess like 
HSL, what is it like hue, saturation, and lightness? Like there's a, a couple of different color functions, and people are raving about like, oh, this is such a more natural way to think about colors. And I'm like, a natural way to think about colors. Like <laughs> literally, I open the little color palette and I just start moving my mouse around till it doesn't look like garbage. Like that's how I think about colors. It's not like there's a a science that I'm dying to tap into. So I feel very I feel very left out when people are freaking out about these colors because like they're clearly operating on a completely different level of how they think about design that I, it doesn't even, I don't even have a mental model for what they're doing. Copy yeah, I'm not URL. even, I'm, I'm not, I'm not even the same planet. Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> much less the same room. Copy URL, go to team chat. Hey guys, check out this new website I found. <laughs> That's what I did. Enter, so I, I would, I would, I would straight, I went straight to our, our our woman who does our our front ends. I'm like, hey, check this out. She said, she's like, oh, this is good stuff. I'm like, yeah. She also was like, I think I mentioned before, that you were raving about Svelte, and she started playing around with Svelte. She really likes it. So, so okay, this morning, I saw Rich Harris, the creator of Svelte, just tweeted the six, the number six emoji, and it's a reply to a tweet that he had yesterday that was the seven emoji. So he's obviously hmm. counting something down. I'm thinking uh, next Wednesday is going to be SvelteKit 1.0. Oh, oh, right. Because that's still been in beta officially. That, that, that's uh, yeah. the thing that's like the, like it, the high-level bundler and all that stuff. It's, it's like the next JS for Svelte. Gotcha. Yeah. Sort of. You know, it's probably the closest thing to compare it to. And, and it's, it's been in release candidate phase for a couple of weeks now, but it's... I'm, it's, it's exciting. It's finally happening. <laughs> <laughs> it's happening. All right. So you have a note here about Tailwind making you a better CSS. Yeah. So one of the things that I kind of put on my list of like, I should mess with it this year to, to see what the hype is about, see if I like it, was Tailwind. And I've spent a good amount of time over the last couple of months, I would say four to six months, just like any opportunity I had that was a greenfield or, you know, it was being sort of rewritten or whatever. I would see if I could include Tailwind in that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've I've found it fun to use. The The thing that I like about it is it's not just like, you know, Bootstrap gives you these six colors that go together or whatever. You got your danger button, your info button, your warning, whatever. It's like hundreds of colors that are designed to work well together. And it really is like a huge leg up on creating a design system. And it's a much better default design system than you know, something like bootstrap out of the box anyway. But then you've got like all these, everything is, is like, it kind of scales up. I don't know if it's exponentially, but you know, it, things grow at the same rate. So you've got like a a number system, right? So if you say like padding, you've got padding zero, padding one, or I don't think it's one. I don't think there's one, but there's a two, there's a four, there's eight, and it goes Mm. up and up and up. And these are these are not like eight pixels. That's just like number eight in the design system because you can control what those values are. And it, the, it's basically the way that it's designed is that as you're thinking about which one you need for your, for the whatever use case you're on, you just guess. And then like worst case scenario, because of the way that you're thinking about the spacing that you need, you're probably only off by one if you're off at all. Right. So if you guessed hmm. eight and, and you're, and you want it smaller, then you go to four. If you, you know, if you want it bigger, then it might be 10 or 12 or whatever. But, you know, you're, you're really close. <clears throat> wow. Voice crack. You're really close <laughs> in the ballpark there. Yeah. I've been really enjoying it. And, and it's funny because like things that seemed way too complex to me, like 
I, I tried really hard to learn Flexbox when it came out and it's just like, it doesn't, it doesn't, it's not clicking for me. I'm not really getting it. And I just waited for a little while until we got CSS Grid and that made a lot more sense to me. And so for, you know, maybe a year now, CSS Grid has sort of been my default. You know, like mm-hmm. I, 10 years ago, I would have done this in a table. So now I'm going to do CSS Grid. Well, I've been watching a lot of Tailwind content, like, you know, training videos on Egghead and stuff. And they show how to do stuff using Flexbox, but using Tailwind classes. And so like, okay, okay that's the, by simplifying the Flexbox concepts down into just a couple of class names that you have to know how to apply, that has made how Flexbox works understandable to me. And then when I need to do something, it's like, okay, well, this would be the Tailwind class. I don't have Tailwind available to me in this case, but I can just go look up what that Tailwind class does, right? Mm. And so now I, I'm able to work with Flexbox. I, don't, I won't say that it's clicked for me completely yet, but I get it now. Yeah, I have, I have trouble wrapping my head around the value add of Tailwind. And I, to, you know, full caveat here, I have not looked mm-hmm. into it. But where I do, when you talk about it, the thing that does make the most sense to me is all of the layout-related stuff, mm-hmm. meaning the, the Flexbox the margins, the paddings, like the things that are around the things that are the components. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as the component tree, and I know Tailwind has a way to say, well, if all of your buttons are going to look like this, you can make a thing that encapsulates mm-hmm. all of those things. And I always look at that. I'm like, yeah, isn't that just like a component though? Like I don't need yeah. Tailwind to do that. But the idea of not having to write the flexbox classes all the time and having to write the margin bottom or margin top all the time. Like that I get, like that I can connect with emotionally. Mm -hmm. And here, let me throw this out there and that might help you too. So talking about like design systems, right? So you might have like a brand color, right? The official purple for Envision or whatever it's going to be, right? And so you, when you do your Tailwind config, you can say, this is the brand purple, right? Or, you know, if you have a dozen brand colors or whatever, but this is, you know, this is our brand color. And you just define that in your Tailwind config as a color name and what the, mm-hmm. the hex value, or I think you could do HSL and all those things too. But And then when you are applying colors to things like text color, background color, I don't know where else, nothing immediately comes to mind, but like you can then have that color available to you by name, right? So then you go, okay, this I'm designing a button and I want it to have the purple, the brand purple background. So it's button, you know, BG dash brand or BG dash mm-hmm. brand dash purple or whatever. And then what's great about that is that like then in, you know, in five years when they're like, okay, well, we're going to transition to a new purple. So we're going to want to change the the design over the next six weeks, one shade of purple at a time, right? You just go update the config file with the new hex and, and well, redeploy and the whole it, thing just goes out. It's so funny because I was actually just today editing some code that was pretty old. And mm-hmm. it, it's using less CSS, which is a preprocessor for for those listening. And the code referenced a variable called like enterprise blue, and then but the design is all pink, so uh-huh. they just they took the variable called blue and changed the hex, and now it's the thing. So it, it, it's a CSS custom properties slash CSS variables is also something I really want to start to embrace a lot more. Yeah, the the CSS custom properties I've done some, and they're they can be frustrating to work with. Yeah, sure. Because like you have to handle the case where it isn't defined, or you have to have the case where it is defined, and then you can override them in certain con, or you can override them, but it only applies in certain contexts. And yeah, yeah, because it follows it, it, the cascade it, and the precedence, yeah. and and that's super useful. But it's also like sometimes you 
just want to change something, right? I just, I just want to overwrite it. Can you just let me overwrite it? And, and it's really frustrating to get it to do what you want it to do. But yeah, I would encourage you. I don't know if you have any, like if you have Egghead subscription available to you through work or anything, I would encourage you to check out Tailwind through there because there's a lot of really good content on it. Actually, one of the creators of Tailwind, Adam Wathen, has a couple of really good videos on Egghead. Mm-hmm. So I'll really take a look. Stuff. Yeah. Let's go back to something Tim's interested in. <laughs> Tim sleeping on the job. <laughs> I, you guys, yeah, talking about Christmas and CSS. Yeah, yeah. So I saw a cool tool website. I saw a cool thing that Google came out with, and it is basically in the United States only. You can put in your zip code, and it will tell you what is trending in your area. Oh yeah, it's so, yeah, like, so like trending like search do, results. Yeah, trending search results. So the, the, what people are searching for in your area over 2021, 22. So I, I like everyone to put their zip code in there and we'll see, we'll re- kind of read out and we'll kind of get a feel for what's going on in your, in your hometowns. Okay. And, and it seems to pick the, the biggest metropolitan area near you. So I'm, right. I got New York, New York, but I'm about two and a half hours away from New York. Yeah. Yeah. So like we'll I'm- put the link in. We'll put the link in the show notes for those who want to try it themselves. So yeah, I'm, same I'm thing. Like same an thing hour for outside of Philadelphia, and it got Philadelphia for me. So well, yeah, that's right, thirty we'll minutes. I'm thirty minutes from Macon, Georgia. Okay, I'll go first. So the first thing that comes up for me for Philadelphia says, of the two places that had pickleball as a top trending near me search, the Philadelphia area searched for it the most. Hmm. Pickleball. Pickleball is, I, I don't know quite what it is. I've, it's been described to me as, imagine if you could be shrunk down and put on a ping pong table, but <laughs> I, I have I have yet to play it. I don't, I've barely yet to see it, actually. Is that the one I've, that has the like like a little mini trampoline down in, in the middle of a group of like four people or something? I don't think it has anything no, to do with no. trampolines. Hmm. I, I've seen it. it, it hold on. I got I got uh, New York New York area searched for Serena Williams more than anywhere else in the country. Serena. So why why do you, why would New York? I don't. I know. guess tennis. I guess, but I don't. I don't. I don't know US if something Open? special happened. Well, you guys got cool ones. Mine is the make <laughs> the the Macon Georgia area was the only place in the U.S. that had loctician in its top trending near me searches. What is a loctician? <laughs> I had to Google it myself. A loctician is so when some people go to get their hairs hair braided. Okay. So they oh, they get oh, like, oh, dre- like, like they get dreads locks. or they get they get yeah, hair locks. So they get dreads or we you know I got you, getting got their you, hair. Got you, got yeah, you. yeah. Yeah. So well, New York was one of two places that had rainbow mantis shrimp as its top trending <laughs> animal this year. <laughs> rainbow mantis shrimp. I don't even know what that is. I don't either. I wanted eating it. <laughs> I, my next thing was also about the top trending animal, and, but I wanted to overrule it and say that Hitchbot should have been our top trending animal. <laughs> what is Hitchbot? Hitchbot was that somebody, it, it wasn't a real <laughs> robot. It was just like somebody like, you know, if you were nine years old and you were trying to make a robot, you would just like bungee cord, to, to, bungee cord together a bunch of stuff that looked like it was parts of a human, right? You know, like these flexible dryer hoses as arms and like a laundry <laughs> basket for a chest, right? Like somebody built something vaguely human shaped, called it Hitchbot and like put a note on it. And they started in like, you know, somewhere outside of Seattle or something up in Canada, somewhere over that way on the West Coast. And they were just like, we're trying to hitchhike all the way across the country, right? And so like, if you're going that way, pick it up, take it. 
and it and it made it like all the way to outside of Philadelphia, and then it got destroyed. <laughs> <laughs> but, but what was the animal? Oh, it says a palace cat. P a l l a s was the Philadelphia area's top trending animal this year. So, so if you click it, it'll tell you what that is. Oh, okay. Yeah, we. I think we have one of these in our in our zoo. Oh, that's cool looking. It's like a looks like a bobcat sort of a thing. Yeah, but it, it, it's kind of like bobcat and grumpy cat had a baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So mine is the Macon area had vampire bat. Mm. Ooh. As its top trending animal, and it is the only place in the U.S. with it in the top spot. Same thing for the uh, the, the 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 lactation. lactation. Yeah, very specific needs very specific. in Macon, Georgia. <laughs> you, you, you need to get some braids, and you need to know about them vampire bats because they're coming to get you. Well, New York searched for disco more than anywhere else in the country. Disco, wow. Yeah. Hard to wrap. Philadelphia area had cowboy caviar as its top trending recipe. <laughs> cowboy, cowboy caviar. caviar. <laughs> what the hell is cowboy caviar? Macon, Georgia was one of only four places that had bakeries at the top trending near me, along with Cheyenne, Wyoming, Eureka, California, Yuma, Arizona. Yeah, I don't think we, I don't think Macon fits in with those places. <laughs> Macon has had like a murder every day for the past 12 days. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, man. And then chicken piccata was its top trending recipe. We had something called Green Goddess Salad. I don't know anything yeah. in the salad genre. I, it doesn't surprise me. <laughs> <laughs> you don't seem like a veg guy. Oh, this is this is interesting. If you scroll down far enough, it's like one of the last couple of things. It shows you the top 10 trending near me searches in your oh, region. Oh, yeah, that's great. So <laughs> I'll just, I'm not going to give all of them, but like plasma donation near me. That's number four for us. <laughs> that's really? number two here. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Every so, single thing for me is either installation or repair of various appliances. Everything's breaking. Yeah, so then I got like pickleball, carnivals, recreational dispensary near me. <laughs> <laughs> then remote jobs, concerts, and food pantry. Man, this yeah. is depressing. Lo- yeah, yeah. Loctician near me, home COVID tests, cheap gas, junkyard near me and passport photos is number one for some reason because people try to get out of Macon <laughs> far far away far far away let's let's do it for Carol she's not here but let, let's okay. I'll, I'll do it for Carol you got her zip. see what she's I, I I mean I know she lives in Columbus Georgia now it's almost not fair she's not here to defend it <laughs> yeah well I've been to Columbus number one it's top trending result pet friendly hotels huh big good town top tr- Top trending. Well, I imagine they have a lot of military folks in Columbus, so it's mm. like they're looking. If they're they're leaving, they have to have a place, or they're they're visiting family. They got to have some place to bring their dogs. Mute Munt Jack Deer. What the heck is a Munt Jack Deer? Okay, it's a type of deer. <laughs> like M U N T. Yeah, rodeo was a top trending out of the two places in the country that had rodeo. I guess there's a rodeo near Columbus. Red beans and rice, top trending recipe. Rap was the top music. And let's see. Let's look at their top. Oh, yeah. Rap was New York's top music also. Staffing agencies, cheap gas near me, prom dress near me, hooker lounge near me, rodeo, oral surgeon, and flower shops. 
interesting. This, I'm, I so, can't get over how much repair New York needs. You guys have like no repair. <laughs> I literally, it's like all repair. No, no, we're just trying to donate our plasmas to get money. <laughs> yeah, apparently. <laughs> and to get our hair done. All right. Have we put in a no enough no effort December into the show? <laughs> I got I got one you more got fun one more. One. What's going I, on? I got what this this is a, this really quick. This just won't take long. So if you want to see what would happen if a asteroid hit your town, <laughs> it's uh, Neil.fun asteroid launcher. We'll put the link in the the show notes so you can put in your uh, address or your zip code. And for some reason, it starts with New York, so I don't know what that has yeah, going on there, but so you can select an impact. Oh, cool! Well, you can choose your impact angle, speed, and the diameter, yeah. and what type of asteroid yeah. it is. Mm-hmm. How big it is? Yeah, I'm just a, Iron a golden one, a gold asteroid. <laughs> Ooh, it's just gonna smush. Yeah, mine's gonna be a carbon. Let's well, say. hang on. I'm I'm definitely gonna blow up New Jersey, so there, I'm not gonna <laughs> use a gold one. <laughs> we'll do a right, six making. Making, boom, that's pretty cool. So I got a fifteen one thousand five hundred foot diameter carbon asteroid going at thirty eight thousand miles an hour at a forty five degree angle launch asteroid. It's going to make a three point two mile wide crater. Thirteen thousand people are going to die. It's one thousand five hundred eighty six feet deep. That's weak, buddy. I I, <laughs> yeah. I crushed your crater. You crushed your crater. I, I killed an estimated 810,000 people. Crater is 0.65 miles deep, Ooh. 48 miles wide. Is that because it's gold? No, it was, I did an iron crater or iron. Oh, okay. Iron comet or whatever it was. That's pretty cool. An impact this size happens once every 47,000 years. And it will make a fireball 5.1 miles. 5.1 miles wide and kill an est- <laughs> kill an estimated 133,000 people. Oh my so the, I got a, a the fireball. So I hit New Jersey, like Southern New Jersey, just kind of across the river from Philadelphia. And the fireball stretches out to Columbus, Ohio, <laughs> <laughs> down to like Charlotte, North Carolina. Yeah. People 19 miles from the impact, their clothes would catch on fire. Oh my God. Uh, and the shockwave. So 56,000 people will die from the shockwave. Oh Buildings goodness. within 34 miles will collapse. Homes within 48 miles will collapse. Anyone within 309 miles would likely receive lung damage. And then the wind, 92,000 people would die from the wind blast. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I got 24 million. Whoa, your, holy crap. Your asteroid is weak, friend. <laughs> you're, wow, you're OP. <laughs> Oh. We're doing asteroid tier now. <laughs> yeah. Goodness. That's scary. Yeah. So just a little fun if you know, you know, you're feeling yeah. cataclysmic and somebody <laughs> gets on your nerves, you really want to drop an asteroid on them. See how precise you can drop it on their head and, and uh, yeah. only blow up their ex-girlfriend neighborhood. Out, <laughs> ex-girlfriend out in San Francisco. Just, you know, <laughs> see what happens. We had so much fun. I don't know if we even need to do an after show. Well, it is no effort December. If you guys want to call it no after show, then that's, we can do that. I'm fine to get into bed. Yeah. <laughs> All right. This episode of Working Code is brought to you by CSS. Apparently new stuff happening. And listeners <laughs> like you. If you're enjoying the show and you want to make sure that we can continue putting more of whatever this is out into the universe, then you should consider supporting us on Patreon. 
our patrons cover our recording and editing costs, and we couldn't do this every week without them. Special thanks, of course, to our top patrons, Monty, Sean, and Giancarlo. If you'd like to help us out, you can go to patreon.com slash workingcodepod. We actually have a new patron to thank this week. So thanks for coming aboard, Steve Kirk. Appreciate thank you very you. much. And homework this week. You know what? We talked about AI last week, and and I thought it was kind of funny. One of the the sort of aftershocks, let's use a, a asteroid term here. One of the aftershocks of like chat GPT and all this AI stuff going around was that, you know, we saw Stack Overflow banned using chat GPT to create answers for, for their questions. And, you know, it, it occurred to me, not only do we not want to ban people leaving us a five-star review with a chat GPT generated review content, I would say, I'll go further and I'll say I encourage it. So, <laughs> Leave us your AI-generated review. It's got to be five stars to, to qualify. And uh, In fact, actually, I, I generated one. Would you like to hear it? I would love to hear it. Yes. So the prompt was on ChatGPT, uh, write a five-star podcast review about the podcast WorkingCode.dev and the host Adam, Ben, Carol, and Tim. And it says, I've been listening to WorkingCode.dev for months now, and I can honestly say that the podcast has been a huge help to my development career. The host Adam, Ben, Carol, and Tim are incredibly knowledgeable and always provide a great perspective on the topics they discuss. They're always friendly and engaging, and their conversations are always thought-provoking and interesting. And that's how I, I know highly it's recommend, <laughs> right? <laughs> I highly recommend this podcast to anyone interested in learning more about coding and web development. Five stars all the way. All right. I'm blown away by all this AI stuff coming out lately. It's just kind of <laughs> nuts. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. I saw a video. Right. I don't, I mean, we're, we're like 90% through the dismount, uh, 90% <laughs> of the way through the dismount here. And I don't want to like get the show going again, but I saw a video today of a guy who asked it to convert a PHP and jQuery web page to use like React and TypeScript and Tailwind. And it did it. And then he was no, like, now add. On. Yeah. And then he's like, now add auth zero for authentication. And it did it. Oh, like, no. Oh you God. shut your face. <laughs> I, I, hey, look, I, I don't expect that code to be 100% like perfectly, you won't change it, but that saved you like hours of work, right? Like you just got to mm. go through and be like, okay, this, okay, I would change this, I would change that. But, and hey, look, Insane. I'm sure there's limitations, right? You can't just throw it at your million line code base and say, here, convert my thing to TypeScript and React and, and it'll do it. But anyway, five-star reviews, yeah. AI generated, <laughs> user, working code, dot dev approved. Yep. And so if you want to leave us a review, you can go to uh, workingcode.dev slash review, and that'll take you to the right place to leave a review in your locality. But that's it. So uh, that's it for us this week. We'll catch you next week. And until then, remember your heart matters. It's the best gift we could ever receive. Well, besides Patreon donations. <laughs> yeah, still good. You've been listening to Working Code with your hosts, Adam, Ben, Carol, and Tim. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and review on your preferred podcast listening platform. We really appreciate that effort. We'll catch you on the next episode of Working Code.